Welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And we're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn and Restaurant on Main Street. Bridgehampton, which is... Man, is their coffee good. Oh my God, it is the, really the best coffee. Well, I, I'm not supposed to say that anything's the best. It's 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 in the top Mas 10. mejor en todo de mundo. <laughs> exactly, whatever. And uh, it does serve breakfast to the public um, seven days a week. And it yes. also serves dinner. Yes. I don't no, know if dinner is seven days a week. This is a jewel. It's one of the many uh, amazing jewels out east, but definitely in Bridgehampton. Absolutely. Uh, so I would highly recommend everybody to stop over here and have a croissant. Well, it, we're in the middle of the film festival. I mean, this may be rebroadcast at any time, but right now we're in the 2019 film festival weekend. What's up with that Scorsese guy? <laughs> No, that's not how to say his name. It's a very long movie. It's The Irishman. Oh, yeah. He started off as The Irish Boy, and by the end of the movie, he's <laughs> The Irishman. Yes, that's, that's what I hear. And uh, anyway, but we do have our guests, um, Brian Downey and Ganu Benton, who are also filmmakers who yes. are not part of the Hamptons International this, Film Festival this, at this, this year. moment. At right. this moment. And have been putting on their own festivals. But I mean, that's one of the things we're going to talk about is the journey of you know creation. how how do you line how do you line it up so that you you know it must be just a tremendous amount of work to get into festivals and stuff. What what's your experience, Sock? Well, you know what? Uh, about six or seven years ago, maybe a little bit longer, um, I had met somebody out in Los Angeles, and we started collaborating on a little short film that was uh, an adaptation of a George Orwell short story called Shooting an Elephant. Right, I remember that. We we ended up we raised money on Kickstarter. Uh, when only one of us could go, so actually my partner went to um, Nepal and shot it over like two days, and we had this little like seven or eight minute movie at the end of the experience, 
And the only real place to platform that is at festivals. And so we then tried to get into festivals, did not get into the Hamptons Film Festival, uh, but got into- No, 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 you're not, no bad feelings. No, no, no. No bad feelings. We got into Tribeca. Oh. So we ended up showing the film at the Tribeca Film Festival. And I learned a lot about the culture festivals from the inside in that experience. Um, among the things I learned is that if you're going to do a short film and want to have success in a festival, chances are you should do comedy and not drama uh, just because of the sheer numbers. So that year, Tribeca got something like 2,500 film shorts submitted for 70 slots. Most of them were dramas. And so mm -hmm. comedy works as a little bit as counter-programming. Uh, but another thing that I really saw on the inside is that every festival has a personality of its own. And they have a mission statement of their own. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the Hamptons Film Festival, you know, we had David on last year. Yeah, yeah. David uh, Nugent, who's the uh, creative. Yeah, you know, it's it's to, it's to bring movies out here that maybe don't get seen out here. Uh, but it's also there's a there's a heavy um, focus on on local, not not necessarily local filmmakers, but on the locale. Like absolutely. a lot of things are shot out here, or they have the Airland and Sea, which is environmental. Um, they have Conscience Point this this year, which is about the Shinnecock Indian Nation. Um, so they do try to do more local, I think. But but a lot of the films have already been screened somewhere else. The big ones, yeah. So it's there, but 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 not out here, and especially right. since the Sag Harbor Cinema, uh, you know, burned down and it has not reopened yet. There are not that many screens on the east end of Long Island for all of the films. That, are, that are that can be shown out here. It's more than when we were growing up here. Remember, it was just one theater. Oh, I like I like the, the drive-in that was now where the Wasn't Commons that is. That was the best. What? Yeah, I know. You tell me you saw Woodstock there, right? Was I, it? No, but I no. saw. So I think I saw Jaws there. Uh, but like, it's. I also like. I saw 101 Dalmatians. My sister and I, we had a we had a a, a mother's helper that would kind of watch us as as our folks would go back toggle back and forth in the city, uh -huh. and we would hide under blankets and sneak into there and watch like double features there and everything. Yeah. It's, it's right where King Cullen and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything is, but that's- but Caldor, yeah. I still right. call it and, Caldor. And, and actually Billy Jack mm -hmm. was shown at Southampton College, but like on a temporary screen. Yeah, yeah, moment. yeah. So it, Something yeah. that was shaking and like so a this sheet. this has been going on for a while <laughs> trying to like show stuff. Well, it's gonna it. be really fun to bring on Gnu and Brian and talk about their journey on this, but let's talk a little bit more about like I mean, Looking Glass, which is Gunnar's film, which Brian did the cinematography <clears throat> cinematography for, is really about like time travel and like the chance to do things over a little bit. I mean, there, there, there's more to it, but but uh, that is it, it's got a little bit of that kind of sci-fi edge to it, which is amazing because you know and movies movies can go anywhere, and as long as the logic in the movies tends to be holistic to the movies, um, you can. It's the greatest art form for that, you know, wherever your imagination goes. And Brian's um, film, Nashville, Long Island, of course, is just a, just and I've been hearing this so much from so many musicians is that uh, even Frederick Amando said, like, Long Island used to be the place where songwriters like songs came to die. Like, basically, it was all tribute bands. And now there is such an upsurgence yeah. of, of local singer songwriters. Yeah, and like, and like, Brian, don't, don't fear the reaper. And that's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the Reaper comes. Right. Um, but anyway, talk a little bit more about journeys, because we were just having this, you know, we have these amazing conversations, and then we get on the air, and we're like, we're going to talk about that, and then we don't. So let's talk about how paths open up before us. 
Yeah, well, all right. Well, Bridget, I, I just was blabbering a little bit. Why don't you talk about your journey a little bit? Well, I mean, I just don't, I don't, I mean, there's just things, you know, you know, I'm Buddhist and I believe that, you know, you can turn your karma into mission, whatever that might mean. So even sometimes the worst things in your life can become uh, the fodder for whatever it is that you do. And uh, we have a saying, Hindoku Iyaku, which means change poison into medicine. And I, I just find that a lot of the things that I've kind of tried to line up in my life before are kind of sort of all becoming useful now. Um, as I just hit 56 last week, it's like uh, my life is suddenly like the path in front of me is much clearer, not just with the independent, which is you know, you it's think, been great. Do you think that that's a retroactive experience where you you were reaching <clears throat> for things you didn't quite know why? And now you look at them and realize that they're all part of a yeah, unified principle. Absolutely. Or? No, I, that's exactly what it is. I think that a lot of the, the there comes a point, at least for me, where all the little things that I've done along the way have all sort of like syzygistically aligned to make me be able to use all of my tools, if that makes sense. Like we all have a lot of tools and we've all like tried different things or whatever it is. And then suddenly you have a moment in your life where they all become handy for some reason. And I'm experiencing that right now. Yeah, so I feel I, I very find, blessed, and, right, and very I find, grounded. I find, and, and I'll, I'll fold it back into storytelling and writing, uh, you know, we're all channeling something. We think that we're inventing something, but we're just channeling something. We're touching an energy. We're touching something. You know, yes, we prepare. Yes, you can analyze it. But basically, uh, if we're lucky enough, what comes through us, which might seem like an original idea, was always supposed to come through us. And so it's just we don't know it yet. So that's that's the wisdom that you're talking about is that you're now seeing a path, which is amazing. Wow, what a great place to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Bridget Leroy. Oh, and Alex. <laughs> Sorry, he was he went off somewhere. Where right. this is Sundays on the East. <laughs> Sundays on the East End from the Bridgehampton Inn. You're listening to us on eighty-eight point three WPPB FM, Long Island's only NPR station. We are listener-supported public radio, and we'll be right back. Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn on WPPB and we're going to bring our guests on now Brian Downey hello hello Gnu Benton hello hi Gnu and uh, we're talking films journeys you both have had really amazing journeys who wants to go first go on Gnu you Go on, Gnu. He's the, right, he's the spiritual leader amongst the uh, two of us. Now you're you're from Ojibwe. Is that that your yeah, Nation? so my tribe is called Ojibwe. The uh, French mispronounced it and called us Chippewa. So most people don't know what Ojibwe is, but if I say Chippewa, they're like, oh, yeah. I've heard right, I went to summer camp there. Yeah? <laughs> he's being he's being a schmuck. <laughs> Chippewa <laughs> Falls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your journey to Looking Glass, Looking Glass being the film that you made. Um, the journey to Looking Glass, um, the title actually came from... Um, looking within yourself. Um, it all started 
many moons ago, uh, before 2006, when I was uh, singing with a drum group out of Minneapolis called uh, The Boys. And they're a contemporary Native American drum group. And there's a lot of downtime at powwows between singing sessions. So, you know, as conversations go, you know, and talking about colonialism and all this stuff, and uh, one of the guys just kind of shouted out, I, I, man, I wish I had a time machine. I'd go back and stop the boats from coming. And then I just stood there and was like, yeah, what if we did have a time machine? And then, oh, um, happy Columbus Day, everybody. Oh, no, yeah. I'm kidding. That's fascinating. So that's we the, interrupt that's each the, other that's here. That's the light bulb that goes <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. So yeah. basically, um, I started working at the American Indian Community House in New York City. And um, there was a man there by the name of Ali with the Flying Eagle Woman Fund. And uh, he knows bird running water from um, Sundance Institute. And um, they said they have a short film, short script program. Um, can you have, do you have something? And I said, well, I can go home and I can. I've got a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> can I start I, with that? So basically yeah. I went home, uh, wrote 15 pages overnight, sent it off, got accepted for the uh, fellowship. So can I just tell you, uh, just mm. uh, observationally, so many people have a similar story. Uh, the, the fellow that actually wrote Rashomon, one of the famous kind of uh, movies of the 40s, the Kurosawa right. movie, sure. has that anecdote where he had a meeting. Is that the one where you see the different points of view? There's different yeah, points okay, of right. view. The four different, that of a woman's rape, a little yeah. bit Citizen Kane and, and still... Do you know that I majored in Japanese cinema the one year I was at Brown? That I was my special. That. But I now that you, you do. You can actually major at freshman year in anything. Well, well that's but you could at Brown. Um, but I don't, but what I'm saying is that <laughs> so this gentleman has this meeting with Kurosawa, having having this germ of an idea, mm -hmm. and Kurosawa says, "I like that." He goes, "Oh, well, I have it all written already." So then he goes and he like rushes it, and it becomes this movie. So <laughs> it's like a little bit. What you're saying is actually more similar than not, you mm -hmm. know. So yeah. And then you and Brian, how did you um <clears throat> so, get together um, to make this? I mean, Brian, you can jump in too. This is not like. Well, a... I was just going to say, wasn't the uh, didn't Sergio Leone make his version of Rashomon? Uh, the Magnificent Seven uh, was uh, no, 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 that no, was no. the Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai, right, right. So Rashomon wasn't that also done with Clint? Wasn't that with Clint Eastwood? Uh... What's the movie? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, it's not a few dollars more. It was um, I don't know. A fistful okay. of dollars. A fistful of dollars? No. All right. Well, we'll but Seven we'll, Samurai we'll, was definitely all, all of those hours were redone by Sergio. Yeah, yeah, really. So, so I, I want to jump back up. So, so you you write the fifteen pages, mm -hmm. and I go to Sundance, and nobody wanted to help me do it. Um, for some reason, I feel like people are intimidated by the idea. Um, from what I know, people think that it's white bashing when it's really deeper than that. Um, although it is a, ref, um, a microcosm, a metaphor for colonialism, it's also about growth and being able to move past um, historical trauma. Right. In a sense. Right. Okay, uh, let's, can you extrapolate on that a little bit? That's really fascinating. Which part? Well, the idea that growth of, of historical trauma and how, right. how you can move past that. Right. Um, what I really wanted to do... Um, and uh, I really did actually think about Brian and I and how it is that we can. Um, so in order for allowing Brian to take a hold of this, um, this film, I had him do a sweat lodge with me. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I wanted to secure our friendship, but also so that he can grasp the ideas that he needed to get in order to depict what I, what I needed as an indig indigenous filmmaker. Um, so <clears throat> looking at that and being able to grow with someone who is non-native and telling our story so that we can move past 
into the future, being able to heal that little part of yourself. And you know, all artwork is basically therapy. So this was me getting over some things and Brian help, helping me with that. So yeah, I mean, I, I, we've said that before, where it's like uh, artists uh, are not necessarily the most happy people. That's why they create art, you know. Right. So, but, but let me ask you this question: So, so how how do you toggle back and forth from your own earthly experience and then the cultural experience that is kind of thrust upon you? Mm -hmm. So, trying to depict the uh, five stages of grief, um, basically, um, you know, he gets angry. Um, he gets sad. Denial. Um, he denies it. Yep. That kind of thing. Negotiation. Yeah. yeah, bargaining. Like yeah. So, and then he has to find his way, you know, just like the title Looking Glass. You know, Looking Glass was a coming of age story. And this is his coming of age story where he had to, as Native American people, how do we get past um, what had happened to us in the past? in order to move forward with something good um, with all people, humanity. What do our prophecies say about our togetherness? Um, how do we move forward so that this world, this beautiful world that we live in doesn't die because of us? You know, that kind of thing. We're speaking with Gnu Benton, who is, now you wrote and directed Looking Glass? Yes. And, and you were, uh, Brian, you were a cinematographer. So uh -huh. I, I want to go back to the sweat lodge. What was that like for you? Was that your first experience with the sweat lodge? It was, yeah. It Tell was, me what, it, what happened. For those of us who've never been to sweat lodge before. Well, well, the entire, I mean, when I got there, I had to let down all my barriers. I had to let down all my expectations. I had to literally give in to the moment because I was being invited to a sweat lodge where no other non-Native American had been in. Did you feel very um, nervous? Well, I, was, I was honored. I mean, but yeah, I honored felt, but nervous. But, but, but you know, but I, then, I have right, good resilience to discomfort. And, so. and my understanding of a sweat lodge experience though is that it will, and I'm not talking about the spiritual side, but that physically it will bring you to a place that- For sure. You know, so yeah, what yeah. was that like? Well, again, you know, I had to, I had to experience and hopefully come across during the sweat a a uh, how how would I how would I explain this? Hopefully, I would be given a message spiritually as to how to film his project. So, I, did you know, that happen? It, it, it did absolutely. That's amazing. I knew that when I went right? in, I could like shoot what? his movie anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd already gone through the script with them a bunch of times and I already wrote down all my notes and storylines and everything. But once I'd gone in there, I knew that it needed to be uncomfortable, not fake. So we didn't light it as well as movies normally do, quote unquote. I do have to say, though, that I think that your cinematography is oh, really oh, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, cinematography is just a translation of the director's vision. That's literally what it is. And if, if I well, could turn Well, that's like saying an on, actor is an instrument. Yeah, you if know? I could turn them onto a few ideas that I get, that I did actually get from the sweat lodge and... You know, so what, we what was like one particular well, I, I idea from the sweat Cinematography is oh. a very light subject. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Oh God, no, does he just... Totally. <laughs> okay. So the best idea that he had, which was also the hardest, because we only had a five to ten minute window, is shooting a lot of it on sunset. 
So, magic hour. Yeah. And was that the water, the water shots? With yeah, we, yeah, we had to do that four times. We did it in I was August. lucky enough to see we this. We did it I in September, it. October, and November. Oh, my God, that's he cold. He was in the water oh, in no, November. Oh, the major shrinkage there. Totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Sorry. Two shrinkages. Two shrinkages. But oh, you were in the water, too. Yeah, because oh I had God. to come down to his island. Right, and so I, I went and saw this. I, I saw and, it at Watermill Center. Why was the same thing shot over four months? Because we wanted the the right water effect. Okay. And you know, we we did it when the water was was just a bit too choppy, and, and we wanted glass. Right. We wanted glass, right, and we glass. wanted a red blue cloudless sky. Right, which exactly. also speaks to the passion of of creation, which is you can't compromise. And I think one of the things that you were saying is just this sense of authenticity. Right. That's what you're trying to get through the yeah, apparatus was, of the camera. We redid a lot of stuff. We redid the sweat lodge, uh, time travel. We redid that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and for a 16-minute movie, the the effort was, it made no difference. We could have been filming for years and years because we both knew when it was right, you know, especially GNU. But, you know, it was just good to be a part of that journey. So the uh, the point that I was trying to make is that... Um, so did we interrupt you? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I hang out with like a bunch of white people. I feel so guilty. Just like go off the reservation. Yeah, I know. Right. And I know. And I feel so guilty. Okay. So since most of the film actually so has to do with time travel and basically speaking on our ancestors, um, the reason why we shot at sunset was because we believe as Algonquin people that our spirit comes from the east when we come into this realm. And when we leave this realm, we go to the west. So, so it's like the sun, of course. So when the sun was setting um, with uh, the native ancestor, with shots of um, my deceased father and mother, you know, all, a lot of it was sunset because um, Cause, uh, native people the... who would watch it would get it. Yeah. You know, even if they didn't, they would. And other other cultures as well, like Japanese, yeah. you know, the rising sun and, and they call it the golden year. You know, they call it like the sunset slash mm -hmm. golden year. Muslim when... also, right? I think so. What, yeah. You're asking they, me? They pray into the you're, east. What, the you're east. asking me? I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> like I would know? Well, I, I, well, you are Buddhist, you know what I mean? I'm a Jubu. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm a Jubu. I'm a, I'm a little bit of everything. You know, as you get older, you get to be like a little bit of everything. But, and isn't your son, isn't H in... Is he in the movie? Or, or would not... Oh, no, that's Ache. Ache, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's my cousin. Oh, he is? I thought yeah. he was your son. Yeah, how did I've you seen... cast the movie other than yourself? Um... I basically just said, uh, hey, auntie, uncle, cousin, do you want to be in my movie? That's <laughs> yeah, how sure. Spielberg started. Uh, yeah. well, that's well, definitely how the Warner Brothers started. <laughs> well, we were actually slotted to use another actor, and I, I convinced, I'm sorry, I convinced yeah. uh, Gnu to stay local because of logistics, because mm -hmm. of reshoots, because of that's smart. just it's easier for all yeah. the crew because everyone's volunteers, everyone, <laughs> you know. And right. we wouldn't have to keep waiting for one person to do a scene, so if he became... The actor, and he definitely has the look of what now, we did you shoot that it, I envisioned. You know, did you shoot it at the reservation here, in Shinnecock? It was all over. We we did on the reservation. We also did in Sag Harbor. We have, we talked about this this morning. We did a a canoe uh, uh, did a stunt off the uh, the bridge in Sag Harbor into the water, and his eyeball completely fills the lens as he falls backwards <laughs> into the water. <laughs> And wow. that, that's part of, and it's in macro, so it's like, you know, eyelashes of crystal. And that's, um, you know, that's part of the, 
time travel sequence, well, but we don't want to give too much away. Well, but this is the thing is that, uh, you know, this is airing on Sunday, so this will have already happened. Hello, yes. Time Machine. But uh, on Thursday, October 10th, you had a screening at 2.30 Elm of mm -hmm. Looking Glass and Nashville, Long Island, which yeah. we're also going to get to. Um, like what 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 is the plan after this because you've been in a few we were talking about the the kind of the journey to the film festivals you guys right. have been the mastic film festival Gnu, didn't you just return from somewhere yes the uh, native visions film festival in um blue water casino and resort in arizona and they were both screened in Cannes, france in the yeah. afi oh, you say con not cans i'm not gonna go there yeah, the tacos you liver puddling <laughs> So it, it was a hot. As I've lived jump, there before, you know, I know yeah. exactly how to Getting say it. JFK and then flying out to Vegas <laughs> and then going three and a half hours in pitch blackness all the way out to their casino in the middle of nowhere. And what did it just like rise up and greet you? Right. <laughs> I Actually, mean, it was kind of down. Oh, hill, was it? So it wasn't until he, like you turned the corner that it just kind of unveiled itself. And you're in LA next week, right? Yeah, um, a yeah. couple of weeks. So if people if people yeah, can't where, where make can it, people to watch these? the film. Yeah. Um, it's on Amazon Prime right now. It um, is. Looking Glass is yeah, on Amazon through, uh, Prime. I think it was All Voices Film Festival. Um, we submitted to that. And it's basically an online film festival. And it was a contest. So basically, we got selected and it, we're on Amazon Prime. Oh, fantastic. So people can see it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, that's probably a good place to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk to Brian a little bit about Nashville, Long Island. Continue to include you in the conversation, of course. Um, yeah, you look like you wanted to well, say I something. Just, I, I mean, there's so much more I'm curious about. So let's we'll, we'll put a pin in it, but hopefully we'll be able to come back to some of the things because I think your journey as a filmmaker mm -hmm. is is very interesting to me. And I also think that it, it, there's so many leaps of faith when you make a movie, mm -hmm. but especially something that comes from inside of you. And so I just would like to, which is continue. what you and I were talking about before they got here. Yeah, yeah, the difference between the things you do sometimes for money or. I mean, even if it's in your chosen profession, and then the things that really come from your heart. As Voltaire you know? says, once a philosopher, twice a pervert. You always have something to say. And I don't believe <laughs> half of the quotes that you say on this show. I'm going to start coming up with my own. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. We're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn with our guests, Brian Downey and Gnu Benton, two local filmmakers. And you're listening to us on WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. You can also listen to us online at 883wppb.org. And we'll be right back. Funding for WPPB comes from The Independence, presenting Tabling Time, a new storytelling dinner series, 7 p.m. every Thursday in October at Rosie's in Amagansett, featuring weekly special guests sharing topics such as birth, wisdom, love, sacrifice, and death. The evening includes a locally sourced three-course dinner and a chance to share your own stories as well. Tickets and information are on The Independent Newspaper's Facebook page. We're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. Alex Sokolow. And we're coming to you with our guests, Brian Downey and Gnu Benton. Gnu, how did you meet Brian Downey? Um, I met Brian through my cousin Fordell Willis, uh, a.k.a. Flav, a.k.a. F.W. Spielberg, and so on and so forth. <laughs> what, is he a DJ? <laughs> no, he, uh, well, yeah, he's, he's an MC. He's yeah. an MC. Okay, there you go. Um, so um, three years ago now? Well, it was more. It was more four, four, so four, four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So four and a half years ago, um, during Shinnecock powwow, um, Fordell had brought Brian to the powwow, and um, 
Brian set his camera on my headdress and I yelled at him. Let's talk about your headdress. Right. Little... Let's, let's visualize it. Can you describe your headdress for everybody? So what we, what we call a head roach. It's basically a long um, headdress that is uh, deer hair, the guard hair of porcupines, and not the actual quills. So it's the long hair and it's uh, woven in with the white hair of the, the deer. And um, it's probably about 20 inches in length and it goes on top of your head and then there's feathers that come off of it. And, and did you make this yourself? No, I had somebody, I had ordered it. Okay. Yeah, there's a professional. Uh, was the Amazon? No. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. kidding. <laughs> but you have this thing, which, which, yeah, yeah. which. So I, I set it down next to It's a to sacred me. piece right. of. Then, sacred piece. Right. Yeah. So and you put Brian your, comes uh, over taking the pictures and we had a short little break and then he puts his camera down. Right. And I'm like, this prick messing with my quills. Exactly. <laughs> they I weren't quills. It's the soft part. <laughs> he told totally. you that. <laughs> but that's really interesting because Brian, you were already, but was, were you already involved in taking these Native American portraits yeah, for was, the, for the, I, I was already there and I had a VIP backstage uh, permit to do the, um, you know, to do film clips and portraits. So did this, uh, did this come to fisticuffs? I mean, what happened? <laughs> no, so no, basically no. I, I, he friended me on Facebook. I saw his photos and I was like, Hey man, uh, you want to do a short film? He said, what you got? So I gave him the script and he said, dude, For looking you have glass. to do this. Yes. I'm sorry. So that's really like your first meeting leads yeah. to this collaboration. Yeah. So yeah, it's like exactly. a genius. So it yeah. really is things falling into place. Like a genius. 10 year gap between yeah. when I wrote it. and. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Wow. And you just knew that he was the guy. Yeah. I mean, because he put his camera on your headdress. No, well, because saw, he saw his work. Saw, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it is. So but I, I mean, saw his photos and, and how he depicted our people. And I said, hey, man, you want to? want to do this and he said yeah we have to do this so and and you, that that's what you journey. told me it was yeah i mean it, it's um you know you, when you feel it you feel it and you just got to commit you know and you just ride it out as long as you can but as we got to know each other and the project started underway you know we just got tighter and tighter as a team and just everybody that joined with us, you know, the makeup artist, Jenna Woodson, mm -hmm. um, just everybody, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, everyone was just so dedicated to help us with this. Now, did you, you know. was Nashville, Long Island before or after or during? Nashville, Long Island, I started this about 2008 because I started a recording studio and, <laughs> and it was at my home. I love now, this story. Let's talk about this. So this is your, this is this your was, journey, This Brian. was my so thing. Like, yeah. so, so how did you get to that place? It's so, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. You, I, I you just, tell it. <laughs> I, just, I just decided that I had a building on my property. I was involved with a lot of singer-songwriters because we were doing concerts all over uh, the area and um, and then I got the opportunity to produce a few because I would not let anyone sing on stage unless they owned the song. They had to own it. Whether it was good or bad, it was irrelevant to me. I'd rather listen to a really, really bad original than a fantastic cover. That's Amen. just the way I am, you know? It's, Amen. It's, it's, sure. So I... Um, I mean, has there ever been a art gallery where every single painting in there is a ripoff of someone else's? No. Uh, well, not that I know. No, I'm sure uh, that. Maybe they Mr. are. Mr. Fantastic. The, the, the Exit the, Through the, the Gift Shop Mr. movie. Mr. Magnificent, Magnificent, whatever. Fantastic important. Whatever it was called. He was postmodern in his entire... He was stealing from everybody, right. and that was his statement. But that's, right. That's uh, the statement, though. Right. So, so it's almost... When you think about it, the, the newest movie that's out in this kind of thing is Yesterday. 
Right. Right? Isn't that kind of no one knows that? But I, it, I do have a To funny. them, it's original, and, but it's not. But, but you know what's funny about that movie is that movie did not hit with a bigger audience. And right. I think one of the reasons might be what you're saying, which is that yeah. people want to hear what you have to say, yeah. not comment on what somebody yeah, else da- said. Danny Boyle is incredible. But anyway, getting back to it. So I'd already spent time in Los Angeles, uh, not Los Angeles, but California as a cinematographer, but primarily just at film school and working with students. You were like the oldest student, weren't you? I was. I was 38 years old. I had to sell myself. <laughs> you did, I had yeah. to sell myself to but the director goes, of film at but it the really school. Go, but it goes to show you that like we can always, like it's never too late to oh, yeah. start something new. He, it he just never no, is. He said no twice. Um, but I wow. just I just went there and I just pitched him and I said, look, you know, I may be the oldest student, but I have 10 years of still life photography under my belt and you've got to let me do this cinematography course because I can help all your other students. And they did you believe nothing. that? Did oh, you, yeah. you, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. I was still shooting for the San Francisco Examiner. All right. I was one of their shooters. Um, we don't say shooters anymore. Well, okay, <laughs> but I well, know what you mean. I was one of their photographers. Okay. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I had to I had to sell them. And, and uh, as it turns out that all these kids for those two or three semesters, they, they all aced it. That's because fantastic. they all tagged along on my project because they didn't even know how to order equipment, never mind shoot or right, right. You know. So I just went in full steam on this. We all got A pluses or whatever the American terminology is. That sounds good. But one A-pluses. of the students, <laughs> yeah. one of the students, I shot his movie for him. His movie went all over the place. It went to Slamdance, Sundance. Um, Every LA, dance you can think of. Every single dance, yeah. All the dances. But <laughs> Safety anyway. dance. But then what happened overnight was the digital world moved in. Mm-hmm. And I was a film guy. And I just I just threw my cameras down. I gave them away. I said, I'm You know, I'm it's really interesting because when I interview photographers, that's one of the questions I always ask is what, I mean, especially yeah. if they're, you know, over 50 or something, what happened to yeah. your profession when digital came in? Cause it's very so I was all done with that. I came back to the East Coast. We just had a kid. I figured I'd go into my contracting, kind of get that going. But after a few years, I needed that artistic kind of thing. So I decided to open a recording studio. Right. And a friend of mine did a website. And within <laughs> within two days, Jay-Z was in my studio. Two days. Richard Gere. Yeah, two days. Right. Richard Gere was in the studio. Liev Schreiber was in the so studio. These two days would have been in August, probably. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Somewhere around. No, but it was. It, this was a, a while that. ago. So this no, but was I'm like, just saying. Right, it, right. For those people to be in your studio, yeah. they had to be out here saying, you know, what we need is a studio. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, for them, it was obvious. It was either that or they have to jump in a limo three hours to the and city. And there are other studios out minute. here now. Like, let's give like Cynthia, Cynthia, uh, yeah, and, but you, but with uh, you Monk can Music. Only do one person at a time. Right, and and Mick has Lantern Sound recording rig, and you. So they. Were turn, yeah, they were turning up in flip-flops, towels on their back. You yeah. know, it's like wetter and everything. J-Lo. Sand. J-Lo, I had to go to J-Lo's house, do some stuff. But they were not my projects. Right. So as wonderful as it was, a great name drop and opportunity, it still really bored the hell out of me because people are people. They're just people and they've got these wonderful projects, but I'm just pressing, playing record. Right, so it's not creative. No, I wasn't even producing. It was literally just... This is what I'm going to do. Right. Press, play, and record. 
So, you so know, how did you get to Nashville, Long Island? Then, because I mean, I understand the the right. terminology. It's because of the singer songwriters out here. And well, this is where she comes. Well, from. we're going to our our producer Delaney Hafner. We're going to bring her on the air at the very end right. of the show because uh, right. she has so an Delaney, album that just Delaney dropped. is sitting here, uh, you know, suffering manning this conversation. the conversation, <laughs> yes. um, manning uh, the equipment, brilliantly manning the equipment. And so, hi, Delaney. Thank you. Yes, and yes, we will. So Delaney now enters the storytelling. Well, well so I, she does. She does answer it absolutely. So I decided that for me to get experience on this, these computers with this, uh, you know, doing Pro Tools, I needed to get lessons. And the only way I can get lessons is if I bring in people that can sing their own songs mm -hmm. and I get to produce. So I get to learn, I get to mess up, I get, you know, I, I get to... I get to experience the whole process. So who are some of the like local, you know, luminaries that we know of in the well, music who's world? Who's in the film? I'm just curious. But who's in the film? Let's talk about the film. So, so many people. Well, this is where it comes from. So yeah. why these people were coming into my studio to record under my request, most of them were teenagers, I decided why don't I set up a list of 10 questions and I just have them answer the questions, and I use those 10 questions for every single person that came in. And what were the 10 questions? No, we don't have time for well, all 10. Well, well, just <laughs> no, give I'll, us like I'll give you a couple. I'll give you a couple. One of them Aquarius. was, what is, what is, in your opinion, the most sung song on the planet? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And only females no, on the answer planet. that. The strangest thing is only females. I would have done. I would have done happy birthday or twinkle twinkle little star. Right. Or people were saying, you know, hey Jude or whatever. But happy birthday. It's in every yeah. language, you know. It's in. Right. So and only females. You mean I was right? And, and, and yeah. I got it right Michael, on the first doesn't time. Doesn't Michael well, Jackson I mean, I own know. happy I, birthday or his estate owns? I don't know. Birthday? I'm just. I'm just saying that females answered. He had happy a lot birthday. of kids' birthday parties at his. I know. I'm not making land. a Michael. I'm not making a pedophilia joke. I'm saying. I am. No. I think that. Let's stick with the program. Okay. So that's question one. Another question was, I asked singers and I said, look, here's a, here's a scenario for you. Give me an answer. So you got two bars next to each other. They're both going to pay you. You're getting paid anyway. Yeah. One bar has 100 people that know you and love you. And the other bar has 10 people that have never heard you. Which one would you rather go in? That's a great thing. And it's also like two bars walking to a guy. And the end. <laughs> No, oh my no, God, Alec! No, what are you no. talking? Let's get back. We, no, no, we no. want to get Gnu back on. No, that, so okay. No, that's better. Like a, a guy with dyslexia walks into a bra. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, wait a minute. Now, some of the people in the movie. You have Gene Casey. You have uh, Gene's in it as a photo. Who, who, as a photo. Who are some of the people who are talking? Joe D'Elia. Joe D'Elia was the first voice of the first Muppet. I on know TV. on the Ed Sullivan show, right? Yeah, and I got. I actually have. The Ed Sullivan Show clip given to me by the Ed Sullivan Show. Amazing. B because he, he he wrote a little song for it. He wrote the song for it. Yeah, Jim Henson back then in 66 was 19, 20 years old. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm not making this up. I actually got stuck in an elevator with Ed Sullivan when I was four years old. And he oh, cursed I, me out. Yeah. I, I have such clear I love that. that story so. so much. We'll tell it when we go <laughs> off the air. Um, and But we're going to get back to the part of Nashville, Long Island, mm -hmm. where you also included... Native American music. Of course, because I wanted their perspective of where music comes from. What does it mean to them? You know, Gnu provided the narration for that. He wrote it, he sang for it, and I provided the photos. Um, but there's, you know. And would you, Gnu, would you rather play in front of 100 people that know you or 10 people that don't? It really doesn't matter. 
Wow. You get that, you get that answer a That's lot. That's a very zen well, well, answer. Well, so, some of the people answered, well, this is what I'll do. Maybe I'll go into the bar with 100 people. They'll make so much noise that the 10 will go, what's that noise going on? And they'll go next Well, they time. are really overthinking so everyone's, it. Everyone's got a lot of answers. <laughs> I and, clearly would want to be in the room with all the people no, who I love have, me. Um, I mean, there's me no question. You, oh, really? And I would always want to be in the room with the 10 people. That, they, they were the, that's uh, why, that's they were the we questions were that I asked, or they were two of the questions. But let me just get to a couple of the interviews, okay? Because okay. they're, they're kind of important, I really. I say that because when you say for yourself everybody gets it well as i frequently said on this show universe means mm -hmm. one song mm -hmm. so so with the see i can be profound too sock it's not just you <laughs> i can do it too if i want hey. I, I got profundity out the wazoo so with these interviews i then thought That's to myself deep. oh crap now i've got to go out and get a camera yeah because i need to physically record and film these people that have given me these great answers. Well, that's the thing. I mean, so you went from was birthed. You went from being a, a visual person to being an oral person AU to mm -hmm. being back to being a physical uh, um, a visual person. Yeah. Do you I, think you're using different parts of your brain when you do that or what well, do you Well, I don't I don't know. I just know that when I was asking these musicians, all these people that were coming to my studio, do you have any photographs? Do you have any film clips? Not one person had anything professionally taken. Right. And I thought to myself, okay, I've done musicians before and I'm going to go out and do it. So I purchased the best camera I could, which at the time was a Canon, and um, started filming, started recording. And then I got a phone call from uh, Southampton uh, High School. They wanted to bring their kids out for the special ed kids to my studio. Know, that's an amazing part. Yeah. And, and this bus, this 50 seater yellow bus came outside my studio. I was like, oh my God. Right. And it was, and I've been to your studio. It's tiny. It was two or three <laughs> uh, assistants per student. You know, some of them were very uh, physically unable to make it, but they went in one at a time ad-libbed. They never had the chance to do it twice. They only had the chance to do it once. They went in and one at a time, even the kid with Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, autism, it's just the energy was just through the roof. These kids were ad-libbing on a song that we owned that Mike Mazzaracco produced for me with uh, Dylan Janae Collins, who does the, uh, the, the vocal, the female vocal. But wasn't it just a couple of weeks later that they were able to hear it? Yes. Wasn't that? So and there, that's there was when a... I filmed it. I filmed their reactions listening to their song. Individually, I didn't want to do them all as a group, right. but individually I put headphones on so I could record their reactions. We're talking with Brian Downey and Gnu Benton about their films, uh, Gnu's and Brian's film, uh, Looking Glass, and Brian's Brian Downey's movie, Nashville, Long Island. We're going to take another break, but can people see Nashville, Long Island anywhere? Not yet. No, not yet. Okay. And come tonight. Oh, I'm well, not But tonight. Looking Glass is... Come two it, days ago. Come two yeah, days come, ago. Yeah, come three, three days, days ago. ago. <laughs> three days ago. You can use Gnu's time machine. Anyway. <laughs> so we're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn on WPPB. You're listening to Sundays on the East End, and we'll be right back. Down on Music Road, down on Music Road. If you want to be a star, that's where you've got to go. Sleepy, hungry, tired, and dirty. And on the steps of RCA, I ate. 
We're back Sundays on the East End with Alex Sokolow. And Bridget Leroy. And we're coming to you from the Bridgehampton Inn on WPPB 88.3 FM, Long Island's only NPR station with our guests Brian Downey and Gnu Benton talking movies, talking process, talking journeys, talking everything this film festival weekend. Uh, and what are we talking about now? Well, we're talking about your new project. Is, is, oh, yeah, let's talk about a new talk project. About it. Yeah, yeah, the new one is, um, we call it A Thousand Years of Witness. Wait, you guys are doing it together? Yeah. It's yeah, called what, A Thousand Years? A Thousand Years A Witness. A Witness, like so, like 12 Years a Slave. I don't know. This one's A Thousand <laughs> Years a Witness. Right? <laughs> um, uh, no, so what, we, what we've done is we interview... What, that's the name of a movie, the name of a book. We okay. interview the eldest elders on a reservation and their years combined come to a thousand years oh that's awesome and they provide us with photographs that you know we're talking old photographs here when they were kids when they were teenagers and we combine that into our uh, documentary and you know we we've we've reached 895 years on the shinnecock so far we have a, i have another interview this sunday and whatever you mean today uh, well, today, that's true, yeah. yeah. So later, in about two hours, yeah, we have another one. Can, can we talk about this, though? And, and I don't, I don't want to, like, make a leap on this, but, the, you know, in our, in a Western American culture, I find one of the tragedies among, like, just culturally is that age is not looked at and revered. It's almost like everybody's trying to be younger and trying that's to, like... True. And that, and that when I hear about a project like this, it immediately takes me to this place that in Native cultures age is revered the wisdom of age mm -hmm. right and sage sage an elder yeah yeah um it, what was the inspiration for this idea is it uh, I, I i don't know i just kind of i was already working with a lot of the elders because i was photographing and portraying them and just kind of came across the idea of asked a few if they would uh, go on camera and just talk about their past and everyone said yes so have you thought about leading a class on photography at the shinnecock reservation so that you can teach more indigenous native people how to do this after you're gone um we actually invite anybody that wants to come along so we do have uh pearson high school give us uh, so you, you could know, mentor I mean, yeah, yeah. You I know, they come along, idea. we let them do sound, we let them do uh, helping with the lighting and stuff. Um, but what I was going to say was the importance of this was in a quote that I saw, and it said, um, uh, can you quote it for me there? Gonna... When an elder dies, a library burns with them. There you go. When wow. an elder dies, a library burns yeah. with them. Which is it's actually, all that wisdom it's, and knowledge. It's an old African proverb, actually, but you know, that is just, re it just transformed straight over onto the Native American. And since we started doing this project a few, uh, about a month ago, Gnu and myself, we were in Ottawa with uh, Looking Glass and we, uh, we, we were talking to these uh, people from New Zealand, these Maori natives, and mm. they love the idea of this so much that we've been invited to do one on the Maori in New Zealand. 
as well you as guys. the film festival for Looking Glass. Yeah. yeah. How that's amazing. And when, when's that yeah. going to be? Um, June, I think it was, yeah. right? June, oh, June. next year. Sweets, you're going to go to New Zealand next yeah, year? I want to so, go with you. So now we it's have one of my Ali bucket lists. Joseph, who is uh, associated with PBS, and she's helping us to raise funding so we can go from reservation to reservation in the U.S. And you had mentioned uh, just that you're, you're starting to flirt around a little bit with a web idea. Yeah. Um, at the Native Visions Film Festival, there was uh, an actress and this... Um, a director of a series called Blackwater that is a web series. And um, I asked him, you know, he really liked the film. He said, I love it a lot. It's really done well. I cried and everything. He said, what do you think of uh, Looking Glass being a series? Because basically what you made was a pilot, you know, because it's a great Like Quantum idea. Leap. Yeah. <laughs> like and, you keep you know, getting... Basically, once you throw time travel in the mix, there's a lot of possibilities that you can do, you know, especially to... Um, empower the message of your own people, you know, through, through this. Well, you know what I love about that instinctually also is that uh, series storytelling tends to be conversations, whereas movies, whether a minute long or three hours long, or tend to be statements. You make one statement. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you've actually created a platform to have a conversation. Correct. Well, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I just want to add to that, the, apropos of nothing, actually. But um, I remember taking a, a class in TV writing not what you're talking about because now they have things like black mirror or you know where e each lord like twilight zone even was like a story unto itself each time it was different people different stories whatever but when you're writing a tv series by the end of the half hour or hour everyone pretty much has to be back where they were at the beginning and that's why it's a conversation mm -hmm. and right. it's also why you hear words like zeitgeist when you hear television people talk they want to know what everybody's feeling at a moment whereas feature people tend to think, well, hopefully my statement will outlive me. And so right. I'm kind of going for a different truth. Exactly. Well, one of the uh, one of the elders that we interviewed, we had a very, very sad moment in the production. One of the elders passed away. I know. James okay. Phillips passed away said. and we, we stopped production straight away because we, you know, everybody needed to... Uh, to collect, have the time, show respect. But what I what I did mm. though is I I took his interview with Walter Weiss and I I posted it with permission from the uh, from the Phillips family if I could post it on Facebook and I did and it went absolutely that's cool crazy so many people writing to, to be able you. to to capture the the, the wisdom mm -hmm. the sage mm -hmm. advice uh, before somebody leaves their earthly mm -hmm. existence. Uh, that's that's doing a pretty good service right there. It felt like it for sure. You well, know, it gives us fuel to continue for sure. Well, that confirmation this. exactly. Confirmation was, was, right? the, was the family. This is it. And how much, how grateful they were to be able to see that. They, segment. yeah, they were. I, I had phone calls. I had emails. People, you know, they were just saying that to see him smile and laugh, and they and most people were not there. Just his wife was there. Yeah. And how old was he? Uh, Ninety three. Wow. And he, he died just a couple of weeks before his 94th. Well, I just love the idea of mm -hmm. you guys going around and doing this with different, you know, nations and tribes and yeah. indigenous people, yeah. Aboriginal people. I mean, that is just so fantastic since people were so kind of ameliorated yeah. and had their, you know, well, their culture taken away from them. What do we do with our elders? You know, we put them in the, 
in the grandma grandparent well i was just having this talk yesterday I, I mean death is not death is just the opposite of birth you know to me it's not scary but but for some people it's it's it has to be very sanitary and very not talked about my mom's italian well, you know she's and she's poor italian sicilian right. from new jersey she said when she was growing up she kissed more cold lips than warm ones there was always always someone laid out in the living room right. you know and it's just it's just different but um what we say is that uh death and birth are actually the uh the same spirit yeah no i agree with that that's awesome yeah because as you you born and you learn and then as you die you unlearn but but i but i would see in my mind now we're going to a deeper place i actually think that it's all this we invent these definitions it, it, none of it is real so like death is not real the natural state of the from the universe's point of view there is no life or death we've mm -hmm. this is our particular ex experience right. on this planet. We're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah. But you know what? Before we leave, I do want to get back to discussing Delaney Hafner. Yes, and Delaney! Uh, she was house. one of the people that I reached out to Whoop. when That's I was right. doing the producing of uh, local bands. Well, Delaney, you have just dropped an album. Is that what we say these days? Yeah. I'm. So I made an album, which is maybe... Um, Wow, it's weird to hear myself talk. <laughs> Take off the earphones. It'll be a lot easier. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I made a record, which is uh, nine songs. It's kind of short for being nine songs, I think. it. And the band is the Bell Curves. Bell, like Bell of the Ball. Yeah, like B-E-L-L-E. Yeah. And, and what's the makeup of the band? Is it all bells? <laughs> um, well, it's mostly me, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's, I have like three different drummers on it um and my dad does some guitar work and my friend sarah gross does uh some keyboarding stuff and um raise some pedal steel on did, and, you write, did you write the songs yep yep so they're all good all originals. originals yeah awesome. and um is there a kind of a theme that runs through your songwriting on this or is it what's the album called um so the album is called promising light um and the theme i would say is just kind of like my experiences. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily like a concept album, but there's definitely things that tie all the songs together. Um, a lot of like disaffection and like frustration and like post grad you, not can, knowing what's happening. Can you give us? Can you give us a, a line in voice in in singing? Probably um, your favorite. Your favorite. My favorite line. Favorite part, but you have to sing it. Um. Well, there's a song called Simone, which is about halfway through the record. And um, that's probably my favorite song lyrically. It's a lot of like questions and, and um, but it's also like a little bit funny, I think. So sort of like profound and hilarious, which is kind of what I try to make my MO. Well, I have a feeling that we're going to take this show out with a version of Simone from The Bell Curves, Delaney Hafner's new album. I want to thank our guests very, yes, very much. You, this has been fantastic. Gnu Benton, uh, maker of Looking Glass and other films coming up, A Thousand Years a Witness, and Brian Downey. Um, Looking Glass is available on Amazon Prime. Nashville, Long Island, not yet, but you know it'll be at the Oscars or something like that. But oh, people yeah. can go to your website, right? No. No, no? I mean for I, photography I, or anything? No. Um, for photography. Yeah, yeah so it's Brian sure. Brian Downey photography.com, Brian Correct. with a Y. Mm -hmm. And uh thank you Delaney for telling us and please bring us out with Simone. 
Anything? Any last words, Sock? I uh, just uh, hope everybody enjoyed the film festival. I hope that everybody uh, takes a moment and appreciates uh, Indigenous People Day, Columbus Day, whatever you want to call it. It's a chance to slow down and think about something. Mm. Unconscious Point, which is in the Hamptons Film Festival today, Sunday, 3.45 in Sag Arbor. Um, and I hope everybody can uh, be well and stay well. Fail me out